0: Since March 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been developing content monthly, weekly, and daily for the business of pharmacy. With more than 25 different podcast channels, more than 1 million downloads, and 30-plus participating pharmacists, the Pharmacy Podcast Network is the global leader in podcasting for the pharmacy professional. Find all of our podcast channels by going to pharmacypodcast.com forward slash shows. Oh mm-hmm. Pharmacy benefit managers, better known as PBMs, are responsible for negotiating payment rates for a large share of prescription drugs distributed in the United States. Recently, state Medicaid systems, policymakers, and national pharmacy associations have expressed concern that certain PBMs business practices may not be consistent with public policy goals to improve the value of pharmaceutical spending. This podcast series is all about PBM reform. Listen to the discussions, share these podcasts, and help build a new pharmacy payer system which supports our independent community pharmacies, encourages fair and transparent competition in the marketplace, and most importantly, is designed to deliver the best patient care.
1: Pharmacy Podcast Nation, Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Todd Urey, founder of the Pharmacy Podcast. Wow. It's been 10 years since we launched this, and it's been you, the listener, that has helped us grow uh, over 76,000 plus listeners throughout the country actually throughout the globe. We have 157 countries that are tapping into the broadcast based on IP address. And it's so exciting to be the voice of pharmacy throughout uh, the world in our country and different things that are taking place. But it's the pharmacist, it's our guests, it's our podcasters. We have 40 plus podcasters that are giving content to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. It's always been our intention to continue to grow the voice of the pharmacist in many sectors of pharmacy. There's something happening in the United States, though, specifically, that I think could have impact to the healthcare system, which has always been a Rubik's cube of why things are so expensive. And the the common consumer probably doesn't understand why they're Uh, Drug prices are at the price that they are, and what factors actually play into that. Today, our guest is Vice President of State and Federal Government Affairs with the National Community Pharmacists Association, the NCPA, Ann Cassidy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's an honor.
1: Hey, I have uh, been a champion and advocate for the, the pharmacist since 2004 when I entered pharmacy technology, but then really realized that there were um, groups out there and associations out there uh, constantly uh, going to bat to ensure that there be uh, fairness in the, in the markets as well as in how things play out. And since that time, I can't believe how fast it's gone, The PBMs, the pharmacy benefit managers, for those of you listening at the consumer side, which I want you to be listening to this, pharmacy benefit managers known as PBMs are companies that are hired by health insurers, Medicare Part D, drug plans and large employers in order to manage your prescription drug benefit, just like your health insurance. PBMs were designed to act as large buying networks for drugs and pulling demand For multiple employers and insurers that use aggregate demand of these consumer negotiated for lower cost drugs. And that's kind of like that high level 30,000 foot view of what they were supposed to do. But in my personal opinion and why uh, Ann's here today is we really want to dig into what is PBM reform. And we know as insiders to the pharmacy uh, delivery system that it's really gotten out of hand. It's no longer what it was supposed to be. The PBMs have taken advantage of some very interesting algorithms and laws in order to really claw back a lot of uh, monies that should have never been taken back uh, to them as a, as a form of really profit to their uh, stockholders, which has been pretty uh, frustrating. And that's caused uh, the, the disintegration of many rural uh, pharmacies that are no longer able to stay in business based on uh, these metrics in, and algorithms. So, and before we get into some of the questions about PBM reform, give us a little bit of background on yourself and why you're passionate about this is- issue.
2: Okay, well, just a little background. Um, I This is actually my second stint, if you will, at NCPA, so it shows you how passionate I am. I, I was with NCPA from 2006 to 2011, and then I moved back to my home state of Louisiana um, to be health um, care policy advisor to then Governor Bobby Jindal. So obviously I was, I'm was i very passionate about healthcare and helping my state. And I was in Louisiana for several years and then about a year ago, I moved back. I missed pharmacists, I missed representing providers and I came back on board with NCPA about a year ago. And the, this state is a little bit different. Originally, when I was here the first time, I just did Congressional Federal Government Affairs. And now I also have state government affairs in my portfolio, which I really, really love because really most of the action, most of the change is happening in the states.
1: Why do you think we need PBM reform? What's taken place over the last 10 years that's really transformed a PBM from something it was to something it should have never grown into?
2: Well, first of all, if you see the consolidation and almost the monopolization of, you know, of the industry now. So I think, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think about right now, between 85 and 90% of all insured patients in the United States are covered by three PBMs, three entities. So I mean that's a concern right there. And then adding on top of it, you have them, so it's become very gray. So are they pharmacy benefit managers? Because now many of them own retail pharmacies, mail order pharmacies, specialty pharmacies. So right then you have our competitors who are actually setting our reimbursements. Very, very strange. Almost like, uh, almost, I like to compare it to Walmart determining what target can be paid for products, if you will, if that makes sense. And, and then on top of that, now you have, you know, with the vertical integration, now you have them also becoming insurers. So it's made the, it, it, you know, it cons- consolidation has been very problematic and it's very problematic for patients and it's very problematic for pharmacies.
1: So, you know, Ann, I believe in capitalism. I'm an entrepreneur myself, um, Pharmacists listening. There's many pharmacists out there who are entrepreneurial, have their own businesses. So, but what bothers me is when, when Medicaid money, That is taxpayer dollars that are pouring into each of the states to care for those who don't have coverage, whether that be drug coverage, whether that be um, opioid usage disorder coverage or health insurance or something. When you're starting to deal with public funds and those public funds are being sucked up by these PBMs in whatever form you want to talk about, if you want to use keyword clawbacks or rebates, something a Pew, a Pew study according to this study in 2019 released in April manufacturer rebates to PBMs increased from 39.7 billion in 2012 to 89.5 billion in 2016 and according to the United States Department of Health and Human Services the average difference between the list price of a drug and the net price of a rebate is 26 to 30 percent. So my problem with all of this is and how the PBMs have, have gotten away with this this slide to being profitable on the basis of tax paying dollars, that's not the capitalism that I'm talking about. In, in my opinion, it's white collar crime. And I, I know that, you know, we have to be careful of what we say and who we say it about. But I'm kind of angry about it, and, and mm-hmm. I see what's happening to independent pharmacies because of that. But more importantly, more important than our independently owned pharmacies, it's our patients that are suffering.
2: Absolutely.
1: So what can we do to get this messaging out to our public and let them understand that this is a healthcare crisis?
2: Well, first of all, um, and I'm glad you brought up the point about the rebates, because look, the pharmaceutical manufacturers, they're not completely innocent in all this, but you've For years and years, the focus has been solely on them and their culpability and increased drug prices. I mean, for instance, yesterday, um, the House Energy and Commerce Committee, they started hearings on a potential drug pricing package in the House, and so much of it was focused on the pharmaceutical manufacturers, and not, really not anything, at least yesterday, on the pharmacy benefit managers. And really, and you know, you brought this up, I mean, so you're looking and this is a very simple, simplistic way to look at it, but you know when you have three major entities that cover almost 90 percent of the patients in the United States, so that's basically three formularies. Again, I know this is very simplistic. So, they're, you know those, those rebates, we all know, I mean, they're, they're paying those rebates in order to move market share when there's basically three big formularies. Does that make sense? And so, I mean, you know, that's problematic. So going back to your question on what we can do, I mean, I think it's the continued advocacy. And, and, I, and I have to say this, between when I originally started here in 2006 and today, I've seen a complete change and more understanding of what PBMs do. I mean, for the longest time, people just didn't understand it. Policymakers just understand what they did. So they kind of put their head in their sand, head in the sand and their eyes glazed over if you will, when you talked about it. But I do think because of you know groups like us, um, state associations, individual pharmacists going in, writing letters, having conversations, making phone calls, um, writing letters to the editor, all that really has made, made a big difference, but we need to continue doing it. For instance, I just talked about the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Well, on the other side, the Senate Finance Committee, just today, they released their drug pricing package. It's um, it's S 2543. In case anyone's interested, Senate Bill 2543, and there's a big focus on pharmacy benefit managers in that one, and the impact on costs. And you brought up Medicaid. So what it does in the um, what this bill does, it prohibits spread pricing and Medicaid managed care um, programs throughout the United States in every state. It says that the, you know, the the PBM or the entity must pay every cent that's paid to them, you know, by the state program to the pharmacy, and they're paid reasonable administrative fees. So that's one way to get at it. And so what I think is this advocacy is working. I mean, you know, Ohio blew things up. Kentucky has blown things up in terms of information coming out, reports coming out of Michigan, Pennsylvania, there's been reports out of Louisiana and New York. I mean, there's a lot of momentum. I'm telling you, the states are hearing it, but also United States Congress is hearing it as well.
1: There is a website that's called pbmwatch.com. Once again, that's pbmwatch.com, and they list all of the state initiatives in curbing and controlling and creating a state-to-state PBM reform initiative. And it's, it's good that each of the states are taking their own action, but I think there will be, based on federal regulation, I think there's going to be a, a swipe eventually to regulate on a national level, especially when um, this uh, an impacts um, seniors, um, it, it impacts people that are institutionalized and the funding that they're getting and where that money is going. Um, you mentioned Ohio. Ohio has H-479. Which uh, requires pharmacists to share information about lower-cost alternative drugs with their patients. It also forbids PBMs from requiring cost sharing in an amount greater than the amount someone would pay for the drug without coverage, or the net reimbursement for the drug. That gag clause, Anne, was was something I never knew about, and I know that it's not as prevalent as it was. Um, but that in itself showed that there was something wrong when you couldn't tell your patient that they could get the um, medications that they needed for less money through some other medium or some other insurance or even paying cash. And that brought to light things for me about five years ago and really paying attention to all the PBMs were taking advantage of the, uh, the setup, the contracting and what they were forcing um, independent community pharmacies to do. There's lots of frustration. I, I, I have lots of followers on Twitter, on LinkedIn, in our Facebook, and I, I hear it um, weekly about um, horrific stories about not being able to pay bills, having to let a prescription go for uh, negative money. Um, sometimes I've seen them as high as, uh, as, as a hundred to $200, uh, losing money if they fill that prescription. And that's just, that's just not the way to number one, care for patients. And number two, to run a business, what needs to happen. Anne, from a collective, everybody listening to this, um, podcast that is a pharmacy owner, what actions would you say that they should be taking to continue to help to push uh, PBM reform forward?
2: Okay. First of all, so I'm, let me just address something collectively, and I think this is really good news. So there is this organization. It's called the National Council of State of State Insurance Legislators, and what they are, it's it's just a group of st- um, interest, excuse me, state legislators from individual states who sit on their insurance committees. It's called Incoal. And for about 10 years, we had been pushing in working, trying to work with them to, for them to introduce a model PBM reform bill. And the reason that's important is, you know, you have 100 plus insurance l- committee legislators who are a captive audience for a year, you know, when they're considering a model bill, hearing about this, and then they can take that back to their state. So last year, and we were very fortunate, Senator Jason Rayburn, I know many of you know who he is, he is a huge pharmacy champion. He's a state senator from Arkansas. So he w- became president in 2018 of INCOL. And so one of his main initiatives was a PBM model bill. And so, and I have to say, this is a great example of how we can all work together. NCPA, along with groups from all across the country, state associations, buying groups, some wholesalers, individual pharmacists, we sort of quarterbacked it. And we, would have, um, we have, would have regular calls, so we weren't reinventing the will, um, having assignments, talking to different legislators. And last year in December, we had a huge success. They actually adopted a PBM model reform bill. And so I, I just think that's a great example of what we can do collectively. And, and in turn, so 12 different states actually introduced that in cool model bill, and six have passed so far. That's a huge deal. Now that's not including, there's a lot of other PBM bills that passed in 2019, but I'm just talking about this one. And so the conversation is going on. And then another sort of national perspective of this is the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, known as NIAC, sorry for all these acronyms. Um, they actually are been, have been having, they just, excuse me, let me step back. They just created something called a PBM task force. This was just created this year. And they were tasked with um, considering and potentially creating also a PBM regulation model bill as well. And I'll tell you why that's incredibly important. I know you may hear this from folks, we hear it all the time. People have, they've, you know, they've, insurance commissioners, a lot of, and this is not in every state, but they have some concerns, some insurance commissioners are not necessarily always, or the Department of Insurance, enforcing existing PBM regulation bills, I mean, statutes. And one of the reasons we think is just sort of lack of understanding and lack of knowledge, because I don't think you would often hear somebody you saying, you know, I'm not going to enforce property or casualty or auto insurance or anything like that. And so what we've had the opportunity to do, um, NCPA actually got to present a couple weeks ago before this PBM task force, along with lots of consumer groups and AHIP and PCMA. So they were hearing all different um, sides of the story. But the big takeaway for me was every single consumer group, along with a couple think tanks, actually were really pushing hard for PBM regulation. So it's not just the pharmacists. It's not just us anymore. It's patient groups, other consumer groups. We have doctors involved now. Um, There's a great group named ATAP made of rheumatologists they're very, very, very engaged in pushing PBM regulation. So I'm kind of looking at it as a whole right there, saying it's not just pharmacists anymore. And so one thing I would do is, you know, at state levels, get engaged with patient groups, consumer groups, other provider groups, you know, so their voice is being heard too. It's not just, doesn't appear some sort of like a self-interest pharmacy thing. Cause it's amazing everyone Sort of getting on board and, and seeing the problems with PBMs and the impact they're having across the healthcare industry. So that would be one thing I would do most definitely because is um, you know get non-pharmacy folks involved in this. but also right now, and this is what I tell people, this is probably more important than when the, this legislative session start, I would start going to talk to state legislators right now, start educating them, going into their offices, and And one thing we can always do in CPA, and please reach out to us, we can send you information on who your state legislator is, if they're on a committee, We can always do some sort of grassroots. And so we have that capability to do that. But I think and all and and one other thing, getting pharmacy getting members of Congress and state legislators get them into your pharmacy. I, I think probably more than anything, that has made the biggest impression on members. They they get in there and you kind of start showing them the numbers and how it works. And they're just floored and they get it. Um, I had a member of the U.S. Senate come up to me and he was like, you know, I have no pharmacy background. I have no medical background, but I'm a CPA. And he goes, and I went in um, to a pharmacy in my home state and they showed me sort of the impact of DR fees. He goes, I've never seen that in my life. He goes, how in the world could someone possibly balance their books if they have no idea when and how much is going to be taken out retroactively
1: right exactly
2: so but that i mean and we can talk to them on a policy level and and we do but nothing is more impactful than having them in your pharmacy to talk to them about that but also if that doesn't happen go in and visit in their office but do it now not during session
1: And I think that's a great idea. I have a suggestion myself. Invite them to your pharmacy to take a tour and make it more than just PBM reform. Show them what you do for your community, which will surprise them. It will blow them away of what a community pharmacist does for their community. Showing them your diabetes supplies, showing them your adherence packaging. If you do that, showing them how you manage deliveries for those who can't get out of their home. You need to show off, independently, community pharmacies need to show off what you do for your community and make it a tour opportunity for that legislator to come in. And while they're there, say, I need to bring your attention to PBM reform and possibly print out some de-identified data showing them a week's worth of prescriptions and how many of them have either been at a lot at a at a zero or a, or a, a minuscule amount, or worse yet, a negative amount, um, just to get that prescription out, based on uh, the PBMs' contractual craziness, and and then show them some DIR uh, fee information as well. And I think if if you did a tour of your pharmacy and really showing them what you're doing for your community, and then you turn around and you actually show them how PBMs are. Are disintegrating that those efforts because of how they work and what those clawbacks do to you as a business owner. I think that that hits them in, in an emotional place where they think, "Wow, you know, we need this community pharmacy here, and these PPMs are doing things that are extremely nefarious." So, but and I think that's a great suggestion.
2: No, absolutely, and just and um, from our side, we can help NCPA. Any of the NCPA members out there, we can absolutely help them set up the visits, provide talking points and other resources. We do that all the time. Um, you know, we, We've done a lot, we did a lot over the summer recess, I mean the August recess. So you know, please reach out to us, any NCPA members, and we can you know, try to make that happen. But a lot of the focus has been on um, federal legislators, but I also think that state legislators are just as important. So I would get them in your um, pharmacy and talk to them as well. And, and Todd, really sort of expand upon what you're talking about, other things to show them in the pharmacy. I also think that's a good opportunity to talk to policymakers about, especially in states that, you know, they're very limited in what they can do, you know, what we can bring to the table, how we can save money when we are allowed to practice at the top of our profession. I mean, I think that's extraordinarily important. I mean, you hear about governors and you know talking about budget issues with healthcare. I mean, you know, being able to have more prescriptive authority to go in there, um, maybe do a diagnostic and be able to prescribe certain medications. And I know that will always be controversial with other healthcare providers, but you know, expansion of practice and scope of practice is always is. I do think also that's another opportunity to sell what we can do when we're allowed to practice the top of our profession.
1: So I want to bring the attention of the website and the organization that you mentioned, Ann, called NCOIL, and it's n-c-o-i-l.org, NCOIL, and this stands for the National Council of Insurance Legislators. Um, It's great to see that there is a federal committee that's kind of focused on uh, not only PBM. Uh, issues, but also other insurance issues, and it does make sense that uh, PBM reform would be part of that. I also want to mention that the uh, NCPA's na- uh, National uh, Annual Convention, their 2019 annual convention, is on October 26th through 29th in San Diego Convention Center. What a beautiful place to hold the annual conference! Uh, We'd like to see as many community pharmacies go. The uh, pharmacy podcast will be there. We'll be doing special interviews. If you'd like to schedule for an interview ahead of time, please reach out to us. Uh, There will be links in the show notes. But Anne, I want to say thank you to you and the NCPA for the uh, consistency of the organization and your push to actually help community pharmacies thrive and stay in business during a very A hard time with lots of uh, owners out there that are extremely frustrated and very angry as they as they know what's happening to their businesses as well as their communities and and some of their patients it's this is a very important issue i think it's part of our overall health care reform that needs to take place and once again i just want to say thank you to the ncpa
2: no absolutely and just you know a little more information that we can provide we actually you know we can we help states with drafting legislation, writing let testimony, um, just consulting in what legislative um, initiatives would probably best suit their state. Because we also we also have the benefit of seeing what works and doesn't work in landmines in other states, so it can kind of help folks avoid that. So we really want to be a resource in that regards as well. We also a little interesting document that we have. I mean, I can share it with you is. We've tracked um, legislation that's passed in this 2019 legislative session, um, really, you know, high points. There's been some really great things from anti-steering legislation to updating current MAC laws that have really become antiquated because PBMs have decided they're not going to, you know, they change benchmarks. They've gone to GERs and said, hey, MAC doesn't apply here. So little things like that that we're seeing other states, you know, we have the benefit to help other folks sort of update what they're doing, or maybe take the sort of best legislative um, direction, if you will. So we, you know, we can be helpful in that way. And and we'd love to be helpful in that way.
1: That's excellent. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. I think there's going to be other things that are going to come out of PBM reform that includes how pharmacists can be paid for other services, Mm -hmm. and how those services um, should be paid for that are probably happening now at no cost, but um, you know, annual uh, health uh, checkups and um, medication management reviews. I think the opioid epidemic has opened up opportunities for pharmacists who, in my opinion, is the absolute best uh, healthcare provider to really dig into a patient's um, multi-comorbid uh, condition if they have OUD, opioid usage disorder, and something else taking place, in their life uh, and how that can roll back to giving opportunities to pharmacists to be paid for consultative services. But we're excited about um, what's coming up in the annual convention. We're excited that that you and are kind of uh, out there um, helping uh, the the pharmacy industry continue to transform as a part of that PBM reform. And um, we just thank you for being on the show.
2: Oh, absolutely. It was my pleasure. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm so glad you're out there spreading the message in this country and, and throughout the world. I think it's fabulous. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. We were on with the Vice President of State and Federal Government Affairs, Ann Cassidy of the National Community Pharmacists Association. And as always, we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.
0: PBM reform is not a textbook process. This component of healthcare insurance will take time to figure out and will consist of many different players of the pharmaceutical supply chain. If you'd like to contribute information, data, or your own insights on PBM reform, please contact the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Send your email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com or call us at 412-585-4001.